1: Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. Derek Peterson here today. Aaron Sorensen is joining me. Aaron, I'm here. Hello.
2: You know what's funny about this? I'm pretty sure the last time I was on the podcast, right after somebody asked on Twitter if I was going to be on it more often, and then I haven't been on since.
1: I think we've done like one podcast since then. Like that wasn't very long ago.
2: It was. It we were. We were. It was a few weeks ago. It was before the season started.
1: Well, it's also hard to get you on a podcast when like you're here in Lincoln until after practice, and the second practice ends, you leave, and like you don't come immediately on Fridays
2: after practice ends. You snot. I'm
1: just going to call you. Out. This is going to be the call out, Aaron Sorensen podcast, mm-hmm. and you're not here on Fridays, so we gotta. I gotta roll with what I have. <sighs> And we also didn't have a podcast last week uh, because technical issues. We got new microphones, so we have kind of a, a professional-looking setup now.
2: It's pretty professional-looking.
1: But the you microphones can't see it. the microphones were not working last week. So hopefully they're working this week. I think it's kind of a race against time because I don't think we did anything differently. I think there's just – I didn't like Jacob. I think that was just the issue. We were but supposed to have Jacob Padilla on the podcast last week, and we didn't, and I think it just didn't like Jacob.
2: From what I heard, though, it was the best podcast you've ever recorded.
1: With Jacob, yes. <laughs> Jacob was good. Jacob was With very good.
2: Jacob, promise. He's usually
1: awkward on the podcast, and he was not awkward last week. This oh. week, we were talking Nebraska-Michigan. Um, joining us on the podcast in a little bit is a guy that I know from Oklahoma. Uh, he used to cover the Sooners. Now he covers Michigan for the athletic Cody Cody Stavenhagen. Um, follow him on Twitter. He's a really good follow on Twitter. Keep you up to date. It's exactly as it sounds, Cody, at Cody Stabenhagen. Um, really smart guy. We had a really good conversation. So we'll get to that in like 10 minutes. First, Aaron, uh, let's talk about culture.
2: Culture. Uh,
1: because that is all anybody has talked about this week is yes. culture. So Because
2: you may have seen... Our tweet of Tanner Farmer that has been viewed over 1.7 million times.
1: You're so proud of this tweet.
2: I am. Well, you, I gave, I gave you props. You actually, you were somebody. So anybody who's listening to this wonder how that happened, Derek heard Tanner Farmer say that, thought immediately people would want to hear this. You went and cut the clip and you had it like ready to go pretty quickly. And so I just wrote a couple of emojis. You actually did the like heavy lifting.
1: I don't like taking, like, like compliments. I get really awkward. It's fine.
2: Let's just compliment you now. No. Okay, so Derek. No, uh, but because of Tanner Farmer's buying comments, yes. The culture has been, I mean, it's been on Big Ten Network this week. It was on ESPN's College Football Live. It is, like, everywhere at this point.
1: Yeah, people are, people outside of Nebraska are talking about it, but I want to get your thoughts more on, because Tanner was not the first person that was asked about culture, and he definitely was not the last person that was asked about culture. I mean, they talked about, everybody at the Monday press conference talked about um, guys have to buy in. And everybody, and, and a couple guys talked about this after the game Saturday, the loss to Troy. Um, guys have to buy in. Everybody has to be bought in. And, mm-hmm. and Tanner basically said, um, you know, one or two guys can can mess it up for you. Um, and Scott talked about the same thing. Like, everybody needs to be bought in. Everybody needs to be on the same page. And And... We're recording this on a Thursday Thursday morning talking with uh, Frost he was asked about you know what you're gonna learn most taking your team on the road mm-hmm. and he he started talking about, A story that athletic director Bill Moose told him when he first got to Nebraska that was essentially like Bill was on a plane ride on a road trip towards the end of last season and everybody got off the plane and Bill was the last to get off the plane and he said that he had never seen so much trash left on an airplane in his life before. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was interesting to bring up when asked about, you know, what are you going to learn from your team? Because you know you could get a typical answer from a coach where it's like well we're going to learn how we do under pressure or we're going to learn how this quarterback handles you know a hostile environment and or we're going to learn how you know our offensive line can communicate because the offensive line can't communicate at home so that'll be interesting and instead frost talked about culture Mm -hmm. is there a bad culture with the team right now
2: i don't think so i talked about this a little bit in the mailbag this week that i don't think it's like i don't think it Ultimately, means that a lot of players on this team are struggling to buy in. But just anytime there's a coaching staff change, even when it's Scott Frost who had all the good vibes and excitement around him, there's still going to be people who struggle to sort of adjust to something different. I, you know, we saw that when Mike Riley came in because a lot of those players, and I think, you know, people when you think back to that transition between Bo Pliny and Mike Riley, Bo Pliny had this like secret meeting with the team at a local high school auditorium where he threw the, you know, the, he threw the new staff under the bus. You had people from his staff that were calling players and telling them that the new staff wasn't doing their job correctly. So they were really helping to kind of like foster at the time, this like idea that things weren't good. And so there really was a culture um, issue that Mike Riley and his staff had to overcome I don't know if like they had three years really overcomes everything you know what I mean like I think they we've always said if nothing else Mike Riley did an amazing job when it came to handling the loss of Sam Foltz in the team at that time and then he also did a good job sort of redirecting the mentality of the team and to be more positive and to not be so us against the world and some of those things that concern people before. But I mean, I wonder sometimes how much of that is still residual from that point. It wasn't that long ago. Like when you think about the fact that it was three years ago, you've got guys on this team that are still now shifting to their third coaching staff, that buy-in is going to be an issue with some people. It's just what's going to happen. And I'm saying like, it was much more drastic, I think that was my point, is it was much more drastic between Bo and Mike Riley. I, I think it's not quite as significant of a culture change in the sense that I think when Scott was hired, a lot of those guys, we saw him at the introductory press conference, they bought in really quickly. They were like, it's Scott Frost, tell me what to do, I'm here. But that doesn't mean everyone's quite that same way. And I think there's a few people, and what we've seen on Twitter this week with people's responses, you have to have a hundred percent buy-in to make it right, to make it what you want. So even a few people can like bring the whole ship down, but I don't think it's quite as significant of like, I guess what I'm saying is I wouldn't be like overly worried that the team is like off track. I think it's just maybe a few people that aren't holding up their end of the deal. Yeah. And,
1: and I don't think the team is off track by any means. I think no. two of the biggest things that have changed and they're huge changes uh at least from what we've heard is that and okay i'll say the uh, the biggest thing is practice yes it was not by all accounts it wasn't taken as seriously under the last regime as it's taken with this regime and these guys the way that they practice you have to be perfect they yes. want to be the best practice team in the country and if you don't practice well you're not going to play on saturdays and that's a mindset shift mm-hmm. like you have to get players um to that mindset of okay, what I do on Tuesday morning at eight o'clock is going to directly impact what I do Saturday at seven p.m.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and but I thought it was interesting. DiCaprio brutal boodle brutal brutal he is brutal
2: Brutal, boodle ooh brutal boodle new
1: nickname yeah I'm gonna put it uh, that gif of him blowing up the, the <laughs> swing pass like, by going through a blocker brutal, brutal brutal boodle the thing that he said Monday where he was like. Like yes, it takes time, but at the same time, like we saw what he did at Central Florida. We saw yes. what that team did. We saw that they were thirteen and zero. We saw that this worked. There shouldn't be, you know, there shouldn't be this pause of oh, I don't know if I want to do that. And I saw a, a little bit of this on Twitter, and I one hundred percent agree. Their way didn't work last year. What they're doing, what they are used to, it didn't work last year. They were four and eight. They were a bad team. They got mm-hmm. blown out at the end of the season. It didn't work. So if you've got a guy coming in here now that's telling you, we have, to do these, we have to do these things differently, we have to be different, we have to train differently, we have to think differently, we have to treat every single activity throughout the day differently, You, it shouldn't be difficult for you to buy in.
2: Mm-mm. It shouldn't be, but it's still going to be something where I think there's some people that are going to struggle a little bit. And that's their own thing that they have to figure out. Maybe they're just not a fit for whatever reason with this staff. Maybe... I don't know like there's so many different things I don't mean I think the one thing I always want to caution people from getting into is it doesn't make one player inherently better or worse than another if they if this isn't the right fit for them and they need to eventually go find a different fit whether that's another team or maybe they're just done with football or they graduate and that's it so be it it is what it is. But as time goes on, and Frost continues to build the team he wants, he finds the guys, he recruits the guys that he wants. He'll have that 100% buy-in. He's just right now working with a team that, when you really break it down, some of them were recruited by Bo Pelini, some of them were recruited by Mike Riley, some of them were recruited by Scott Frost. Mm-hmm. You have a team that really doesn't belong to him in its entirety. It's a it's a team of ma- it's like a team of mishmash recruiting classes that came into this program thinking a hundred different things from one another so that's why it's like for me when I see like yeah there's going to be some buy-in issues it's not going to be team-wide but if you didn't have a few guys I would be like that's incredible and Scott should stop coaching and become a consultant and make billions of dollars because everyone would sign up for that everyone would sign up if you could have like the magic Like, that's why we're having this conversation. Because everyone wants to know how you convince players to buy in. If somebody had that magic, like, answer, they would not be coaching. They would be selling that for all the money in the world.
1: YouTube classes.
2: YouTube classes. But seriously, that's like when people say, like, hey, I want you to make this go viral. I'm like, if I knew how to do that, (laughs) I would be working with all the big brands and just being a billionaire. I would be just making all the money.
1: Here's an important distinction to make, because when you talk about, um, like, staff, Changeovers and you talk about um, player holdovers, you're like, oh, well, this guy doesn't have his players in the system. And it's like, system fit on the field, yes. Mm-hmm. But with these guys, there's there are very distinct personality differences. You talk to Cam Taylor, and he made the comment. It was either this week or it was last week where he was like, I know that if I'm not practicing hard, somebody else is practicing harder than me. Yep. I guarantee you there are players that Riley recruited that do not have the same personality. And that's that's fine. There are different personalities right. for a reason. But I guarantee you that there are personality clashes on this team. And 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 we've heard from the coaches already that they recruit just as much personality as they do talent on the right. field. And so I think, you know, you're exactly right that you got to get your personality into the mm-hmm. team.
2: I just, I mean, when you think about it, you look at a guy like Mick Stoltenberg and you look at a guy like Gerald Foster, they were recruited by Bo Pelini. That's Bo Pelini's recruiting right there. And that's not for better or for worse or anything, but it's just like, that's what it is. Those senior leaders who've been on this team for five years, this is their third coaching staff. And it sort of makes me think like, it's hard for me sometimes in like hindsight now to be like, Bo Pelini was the coach of this team for five years ago i guess i should say like five seasons ago this would be the fifth but i just it's sort of crazy to think about it like that and when you when you put it into context of that where you're like they had not even the last coach but a coach before that last coach five seasons ago it kind of makes me like think like well yeah if they didn't have a couple of people that weren't like clashing in personalities and having a couple of buying issues again i would be wondering like how the heck do you do that because you have different coaching staffs who have different recruiting philosophies who go after different players for a variety of different reasons. Scott just has to now build his team, and we saw a complete roster overhaul mm-hmm. this offseason. So just imagine what he'll do with another season of recruiting and then another season after that. Once he sort of, like, gets exactly what he wants in this team – We'll know exactly what he's doing, but I don't think we would necessarily be having the buy-in conversations at that point because we know how they're going to handle it. You buy in or you move out for the guy who wants to buy, buy in. We better not buy-in
1: conversations at that point.
2: We better not. Uh,
1: one quick question, and then we will get to my conversation with Cody. Scott was prickly on Thursday.
2: He was prickly. You
1: cool with that? you like that?
2: Well, I think there's a number of reasons for fans that maybe go to our Facebook page and watch that video and wonder, like, why was he so kind of, like, you know, it just didn't feel like he wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a number of things. Practice may not have been. He didn't say practice was bad, but maybe practice was a little bit rougher. Um, he could be dealing with a lot of questions around uh, the status of Adrian Martinez. Is he going to actually be available against Michigan? Is it going to be Andrew Bunch? And then, just honestly, there's a lot of pressure going into this game. And even though coaches try to say, "Oh, I, I don't buy into all of that," you you're human, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there's just a lot of things going on and then i mean he's a human you can have bad days so he just seemed like it was just not his day he didn't really want to answer questions honestly i think for him he just wants to get to the big house and just get this show on the road
1: i liked it i didn't have any issue with it i didn't either i think he's i I also think and you didn't mention this but and this isn't a shot at at anybody um that's asking the questions it's a shot
2: at somebody who is i'm just kidding
1: (laughs) i think he's tired of answering the same questions and, and when I say the same questions, he's tired. I think they're all tired of talking about individuals. I had this conversation with Greg Smith. Um, when I asked Troy Walters a football-specific question, I mm-hmm. asked him, your starting field position sucks. Uh, what do you do to make it better, and why does better field position, aside from the obvious response, why does better field position um, bump up your scoring chances? Mm-hmm. And, and he gave the best answer to any question that I've ever asked him mm-hmm. because it was a football question. And I think they – want to talk more about football questions and like team specific questions and like, and and things that they actually think about on a daily basis than like, Hey, how's Jaron Woodyard look in practice?
2: Yeah. And I'll be yeah. honest, like, because for those of you, again, I feel like I'm just plugging everything, but if you haven't checked out the new issue of Hale varsity magazine, it's a food issue. Um, I had a lot of fun talking to the coaches for that issue, whether it was for the recipes or for Duzco for the Q and A, there was just a lot of different things that we got to talk with the coaches about. And Shenander was actually the one who made a comment to me where it's not you are right they want to talk football but they also want to just like relax just a little bit sometimes where they're not getting asked the exact same question every single day because I remember joking with him and saying you know I'm asking you about basically your spaghetti carbonara recipe and not um, your black shirts this week and he goes you know what we kind of needed a break from being asked about the black shirts every day and that just goes to show it's not that he doesn't expect those questions it's not that he doesn't want them it's not that we're not going to continue to ask them and it's you know i'm gonna still ask him about you know when aaron williams we're gonna ask him when aaron williams gets a black shirt what did that mean all those things but every so often it's nice to break in not only a little football talk that's just like general football but also just like letting people just be sort of like human beings for a minute Mm -hmm. because it gets to be a grind. So it's like every so often, let's just talk about like something else for two minutes and like think that they can like breathe in that moment. And then they're ready to talk about what we want to again. But yeah, I would agree with you. I think he's been asked a lot of the same questions over and over. And until Nebraska gets that win, I think that's unfortunately what's going to continue happening. But you know, maybe we just need to ask Scott someday about like his favorite TV show or something. Well, I think it's funny because
1: <laughs> when I first got here, what would we, what would we put odds on for his favorite TV show?
2: His Ooh. favorite pe-
1: uh, soda is Mountain Dew. His favorite, t- and I would not have expected that. It's a TV show. F-
2: I feel like I feel like he's either somebody who would be like, no. I feel like he's somebody that would have to like, um, I don't know, like a Game of Thrones or.
1: See, I was going the whole. whole we you gonna go like, like comedy because no, I was, I was gonna go like Fixer Upper.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, like, really into Joanna and Chip Gaines. That's like Tiny thing. homes. Yeah. I was thinking he either needs a show <laughs> that he can, like, invest in and get, like, lost in, like, something like Game of Thrones, or it's, like, I don't even have to think about football in this moment. Um, I do know that some of the staff watches Last Chance U. Uh, Shenander is a fan of Last Chance U. Ryan Held will not watch it because he he's a big Juco guy, and he just thinks it, like... It's too much drama for what he wants to be watching. But sure. yeah, I feel like I was gonna say either Scott like does something like that where it's like, I'm gonna just invest in the show so when I'm watching it, I don't have to worry about anything else, or he's super into like, I don't know, the office. Something that's just like a comedy where you can just turn it on and you don't have to think and you can just kinda like let it be. So like I feel like it's one of those two. He's either like good comedy or like super big drama series.
1: That would be... If it's not HDTV, if he's not an (laughs) HDTV nut, uh, which I guess that's what my...
2: um, I don't know why. Why do you think it's HDTV? I don't know.
1: I just think it would be funny. (laughs) Because I wasn't... You know, I wasn't expecting foofy coffee and I wasn't expecting uh, Mountain Dew, so... Nothing about cream and sugar
2: is foofy. Well,
1: that's what he called it.
2: Well, I know, but I'm just saying because that's... I, I would just do cream. I don't do sugar. Scott is
1: definitely not a person, though. This is just like totally projecting, but Scott definitely does not feel like a person that would take the time to sit down and watch an hour long TV episode. No. I don't like sitting down and watching hour long TV episodes. I've had conversations with people before where I'm like, if it's longer than 30 minutes, I'm not dedicating to it because I, I a, I don't have the attention span and B, I don't want to like, I feel like if I've sat there for an hour long episode, I feel like I've wasted that hour yes. and all of those hour long episodes end with cliffhangers, especially on Netflix and so you're like, God, I have to watch the next episode. And I hate it. So I watch 20-minute episodes. And I feel like The Office is a good pick for him. I, we're, <laughs> we said 10 minutes uh, for the first section and then 10 minutes for the second section. And we're pushing 19. So we're going to go it's to...
2: fine.
1: We're going to go to... Uh, is that okay? Or do you want to talk more about um, TV, TV episodes? Shows?
2: No, yeah. it's fine. But I, this isn't something now that I'm going to think about a lot. Like, I'm going to like feel like I need to ask the staff for no reason other than just my own curiosity. <laughs> i want to say one we'll last report thing back when we find yes, out yes for anyone who's ever like how do stories come about like how do you guys find your stories 99 percent of the time it's because i'm curious about something and i just ask them out of my own curiosity and then it ends up being a story
1: god if he watches fixer-upper if he's like a, a chip and joanna nut, like dedicated every single time it's on the tv every, so watches you it.
2: understand that's like an hour-long show right is it i it thought is. it was only 30 minutes no it's an hour Oh, and with that...
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) With that, we're going to go to my conversation with uh, Cody Stavenhagen, again from The Athletic, covers Michigan. Follow him on Twitter. He's a cool dude, good writer. Uh, He's an okay writer. I don't need to give him too big of an ego. Here's Cody. (laughs) Joining us now on the podcast, tremendous writer from The Athletic. Covering the Michigan Wolverines, also a former Okie, um, Cody Stavenhagen. Cody, welcome to the pod, man. It's awesome to be able to get you on here.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Derek. I appreciate it, man. Glad to glad to join.
1: I uh, I'll tell you this: I am super excited for the the 2021 Nebraska Oklahoma game, um, and the majority of that excitement stems from the simple fact that I'll be able to have people like you and George Stoyer randomly join the podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs>
1: uh cody covers michigan so um surprise we're gonna talk a little about michigan um first i've got to ask you what's what's the best jim harbaugh story that you've either been told um or you've witnessed firsthand since getting to ann arbor
0: oh man um try to think if there's any of it that aren't already out there i think uh you know what well, here's one I heard the other day um, apparently Harbaugh and uh, Harbaugh and his wife were at a restaurant and some, some people came up and I, I guess started making small talk and this was a few years ago when Harbaugh's wife was pregnant with, with one of his many children I think he has eight maybe he has a lot of kids right uh, she, she, she was pregnant and uh, you know Harbaugh randomly asks the guy he's like hey do you do you know of any wet nurses? Uh, and a wet nurse is, is someone who, you know, takes care of a baby and, and actually breastfeeds the baby. And because Jim Harbaugh was very concerned that he he might get less sleep once this baby was born, it was apparently like a big deal to him. And he was like, I can't, I, I can't lose sleep. Um, and this is weird. Like the guy's had many kids before. He should know the routine. He should know how this goes. And, right. and I'm told it was just a real weird, like example of kind of Harbaugh's quirkiness and his, his uh, ability to obsess over weird little things. So yeah, apparently sleep very important to Jim Harbaugh. That leads to another story. Actually, this this is a much better one. Jim Harbaugh believes there are uh, four. I think he says natural steroids. So he's not you know weightlifting, nutrition that's important, but he's not big into the science of all of it. He says number one is sleep. Uh, I think number two is milk. I don't remember what the other two are. I think maybe steak and, like, something else. So, anyway, that is the the Jim Harbaugh workout plan.
1: That's incredible. Jim, Jim doesn't strike me as somebody that sleeps a ton, so that surprises me.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, I will say at the same time, like, on the outside, you see Harbaugh, you know, makes headlines, does weird stuff, can say outlandish things. But day-to-day, he's... Uh, He's 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 almost not as interesting as you would think. He uh, he doesn't say a lot. If there's something he wants to speak out on, he'll do it, and and then that usually grabs the news. But you know, Harbaugh's really he's pretty businesslike. He's uh you know he's in total control and power here, and and he knows it. So he's he's really not as colorful to cover day to day as you might expect.
1: Yeah, that's interesting because you definitely don't get that vibe when you. You know, when you're seeing him for a day or two at Big Ten Media Days, and you're not covering Michigan, so. right? Cool. Um, just to get the the p's and the q's out of the way. It sounds like the the two running backs, Karan Higdon and, and Chris Evans, sounds like they have a, a pretty good chance of playing Saturday.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it. We talked to Jay Harbaugh, uh, Jim Harbaugh's son, and Michigan's running running backs coach yesterday. He said uh, Karan Higdon. Uh, the number one back has been practicing fully. He didn't play last week against SMU, but it sounds like he'll be good to go. Chris Evans, the the number two back, also a very capable runner. Um, they, they've been kind of working him up to full speed this week, but Jay Harbaugh does not expect him to be limited either. So it sounds like there's a good chance the Michigan running game will be, will be full go.
1: I want to get your take on those guys and, and that running game as a whole. Um, because it, Michigan didn't run it effectively at all in the opener against Notre Dame, mm-hmm. um, and in the two weeks since, the Wolverines have run over Western Michigan and, and SMU. Um, which do you put more stock in so far? Because, I mean, those are, those are two extremes that you've got there. You look really good against... Or you look really bad, excuse me, against a good team, and then you look really good against two bad teams. So which one do you take more of?
0: Yeah, that's so tough to say. I mean, I would almost... I would have to say it's kind of somewhere... In the middle, you know, I think this game against Nebraska, some of these upcoming games against uh, more middle of the road Big Ten teams will really be the most revealing about Michigan because we have seen kind of polar opposites. We saw an offense that just really struggled. They were they, they ran the ball well early against Notre Dame, uh, and then Notre Dame kind of realized that Michigan uh, couldn't throw the ball and just started stacking the box. Um, and, and very quickly, the Michigan running game went away. Uh, against Western Michigan, they ran wild. But Western Michigan has a very undersized defensive line, uh, totally outmatched. So, so, yeah, I mean, I think the more accurate barometer is probably what we, what we see Saturday. Um, I think Kron Higdon's a really good, you know, downhill runner, kind of an old-school style of back, but he's still got some shiftiness to him. Uh, I think he's very good, and, and will probably have a thousand-yard season. And Chris Evans is a pretty good complement, more of a um, speedy scatback type. Um, and, and Michigan's offensive line is the glaring weakness on this team, but that's more in the pass blocking. They're they're not a bad run blocking team. Uh, so the question is, can you prevent other teams from from stacking the box and keying in on the run? That, that's so far, you know, that's what caused the struggles. Against Notre Dame, we even saw that um, a little bit against SMU, and that actually led to some big passing plays over the top. So it'll be interesting to see how the, the Nebraska defense approaches that. Okay. Well,
1: I, I want to go back to that in a second, but um, first you mentioned the, the passing game kind of struggling. Shea, had, Shea Patterson, the Ole Miss transfer, he had 30 attempts in that opener against the Irish, hasn't had more than 20 in a game since. What have you seen from him so far? Um, I know there were a lot of, of questions about how Harbaugh's offense would operate with with him um, being one of the more talented quarterbacks that Harbaugh has had. How has that marriage worked?
0: Um, yeah, it's one of those things that we're still figuring out. I would, I would say Shea Patterson has been actually very impressive. The numbers don't necessarily jump off the page, but compared to what Michigan had last year at quarterback when they cycled through three guys and none of them were overly productive, Shea Patterson's been a huge upgrade uh, because he's an incredibly accurate passer he's completing 70 percent of his throws right now he's shown a little bit of the the creativity the mobility that you heard a lot about Uh, but it is tough because he's not playing at Ole Miss where he threw for more than 300 yards I think seven times in 10 games he's in this pro style offense at Michigan that's you know he's not really going to throw more than 20, 25 times um, in a lot of games. So, But I also think that's kind of a, it's a marriage that's still very much in progress, I think. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if we see the playbook open up a little bit more now that we're in the Big Ten play. I think this offense uh, we learned wasn't really fully prepared against Notre Dame with a new quarterback, a new offensive line coach, a new wide receivers coach, a new tight ends coach. There were just a lot of things changing, and sometimes that takes time you know it's for the offense to fully develop and i don't think michigan tipped its hand with its playbook against western michigan and against smu uh this week players kind of talked about there's more to come maybe we haven't even seen half of the playbook but at the same time i think we kind of learned against notre dame uh when michigan did try to ran some four receiver sets had some empty backfields went under shotgun a lot early that you don't just snap your fingers and become a spread team, right? Uh, Michigan doesn't really have the personnel to totally change its system. And the biggest thing is the offensive line, uh, particularly the two tackle spots. If you want to drop back and pass, you have to give your quarterback time. Uh, We don't know that Michigan's been able to do that. So Shea Patterson has been effective and proficient, but it's kind of, I don't think we know exactly how high his ceiling is, or how high his numbers could go, uh, playing for Jim Harbaugh.
1: What's the key for Michigan on Saturday? Nebraska's 0 2, Michigan's 2 and 1. What does Michigan need to do to get to 3 and
0: 1? I I think the biggest thing, assuming that Adrian Martinez is good to go, is you just kind of you have to limit him. You have to contain. Um, him in the pocket, we saw Brandon Wimbush with Notre Dame make a couple big plays with his feet, even SMU's uh, backup quarterback, William Brown, came in and and ran the ball pretty well late in that game. And I think Michigan is going to have the edge um, offensively just because of how much Nebraska's defense has struggled. Uh, But against a creative Scott Frost offense and a creative quarterback, the key is to uh, just to not get burned. If you let Nebraska pick up a couple big plays early and make it a game, then you might be in for um, for a real challenge. But if you play, you know, defense, if you you play like the dominant defense that Michigan is supposed to be, then maybe you can walk out of there with an easy win. I think it's one of those games that I could easily see um, going either way.
1: Given, given, <clears throat> excuse me, given that Nebraska is 0 and two. Um, here in Lincoln, there's a ton of, you know, oh, we can't start 0-3. Um, there's a ton of emphasis put on this game, maybe more so than would have been if Nebraska had, say, the same record as Michigan coming in. Um, they just feel like they've, they've got a shot to shock some people. How is Michigan approaching this game? Is it looking at Nebraska as, as another 0-2 school um, that has looked sloppy, or is it looking at Nebraska like, like it's Nebraska and this is a big game regardless of record?
0: yeah I would say that I don't think anyone's like looking past this game, but I think Nebraska's Owen two start has has impacted the way it's viewed. it's It's not been viewed as too much of a challenge or uh, you know a potential upset. I think it's kind of like, all right, this is the game. At the same time, it's important for Michigan because it's kind of like this is a game where the Wolverines need to set the tone for Big Ten play, where we need to really see what this offense can do, where we really need to figure out for real what this team is. But yeah, I totally think Nebraska's um, kind of sloppy start has kind of kind of dimmed the lights on this one a little bit.
1: That I think that's perfect encapsulation of where Nebraska is at a program right now that they're coming on the road to the big house, and it's like, well, it's just another Big Ten team. we got to set the tone.
0: Mm-hmm. One thing, though, is one thing I've really learned is that Michigan fans do not like Scott Frost, not at all. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that will be a fun um, kind of uh, side storyline, secondary storyline. <laughs> uh... That'll be fun. Um, a lot of coaches for Nebraska this week have talked about Um, that battle in the trenches you mentioned it a little bit ago with um, Michigan's offensive line and what can Nebraska's defense do about that Um, they've said that Nebraska has to be ready for a fight um, that Michigan is going to be the best line on both sides of the ball that they've played this season Um, Nebraska's O-line was okay in game one Um, it was really bad in game two and now it's up against you know maybe some of the best defensive linemen in the country and Rashawn Gary and and Chase Winovich how how has that defensive line looked to you so far um, and what kind of success do you think that, that Michigan's defensive line can have against Nebraska's offensive line?
0: Yeah, I mean, it really is a stacked um, defensive line or, or really a stacked front seven that that is capable of um, swallowing any offense. I mean, Gary and Winovich are legit. They're going to do what they're going to do. Uh, People talk about, oh, maybe Rashawn Gary's not as productive as he should be, but this guy gets double-teamed constantly, which is a big reason Chase Winovich has become such, such a successful player. He's had a little more room to work there on the edge. I will say Michigan's interior defensive line has not been quite as good as uh, maybe it was kind of hyped up to be, and they've had a couple of injuries there. Um, it's led to some kind of some mixing and matching on one of those defensive tackle spots. And I think Don Brown, Michigan's defensive coordinator, would probably like to see a little bit more pressure generated from uh, from the interior. but but then when you add in the linebackers and Kalik Hudson who plays Michigan's viper spot, it's a uh, it's just a tough defense to run the ball against, and they're they're going to generate a pass rush, you know. On almost every down, and, and uh, so so against Nebraska, I don't see that being any different.
1: On the, you know, flipping it, Nebraska's defensive line or or their front seven at least, um, it's looked more than competent this year. After not after looking terrible all last mm-hmm. season, they got ten sacks um, through two games. They're something in they're in the top ten in the country in terms of sacks per game, which is a stupid stat when you've only played two games. But still, <laughs> um, they've looked okay. Do you, it. Is that a a matchup that you're watching closely, a position battle that you're going to be keeping an eye on? Or is there maybe one that that has your interest elsewhere?
0: Yeah, I think that's another thing for Michigan that's going to be the key in every game is just how well can you you pass protect. Um, If if Nebraska wants to have a shot in this one, I think it has to get to Shea Patterson and get to him early and kind of say, we're not going to make passing the ball easy. Uh, Michigan's line has probably looked progressively better in each game but uh, it started from the bottom looking terrible against Notre Dame uh, the two the two tackles Jawan Bishel Beatty and John Runyon uh, probably played their best games last week against SMU so then it's again okay now can you do that against a big 10 opponent um, even against SMU it's not like they were driving guys back or taking any, anyone to the bus it was kind of like they were just proficient enough held guys up from off for just long enough to where to where Shea Patterson could throw a couple balls down the field. ...out that these tackles just, man, they're just not that good. There's some younger guys. Michigan would like to develop and, and work in there eventually, but just not yet. So I think every game, it's how well can, can the tackles play? How well can you handle an opposing team's defensive line?
1: All right, man, one last question, and then we'll, uh, we'll get you out of here. Let's get a score prediction for the game.
0: Uh, I'm going Michigan 31-17.
1: It's a little closer than I thought you would put it, honestly.
0: Yeah, I don't see it, man. I don't know. I'm not convinced that it's going to be a blowout. I know Nebraska looked sloppy, but I think this is a Michigan team that, uh, that has its flaws and, and probably isn't going to put up more than 35 points against, Conference opponents, uh, and I do. I see Adrian Martinez being capable of uh, making just a couple big, a couple big plays to keep it tight. So Nebraska covers. All yeah, right. I'm picking them to cover. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sounds good, man. Um, I will. Uh, I will see you in the press box, and uh, hopefully, we get a a good game on Saturday. Thanks for joining the pod, man. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no, no problem, man. Thanks for having me.
1: Aaron, turn back to you, and let's let's talk a little bit more uh, specifically about the Michigan game.
2: No, thank you. No. I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> it's Is, fine. Does Nebraska? Uh, let's let's put it bluntly, bluntly. Then does Nebraska have a chance this weekend?
2: Yes. Um, and I've said this all along. I said this before. So let me just give my like rundown of what I thought this season would be. I thought they would be three and O coming into this Michigan game, and I thought that they uh, between Michigan. Uh, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan State, if they were gonna win one of those games, I thought Michigan, just for something about it, knowing that Jim Harbaugh has a tendency to drop games he shouldn't, um, I thought there was a really good chance Nebraska could come into the season being 4-0. Obviously, you have the canceled game to the weather, you drop the game to Colorado, which at that time you're like, okay, Colorado, I could have seen them being 2-1 and one coming to this game, that's fine. Um, but then you drop the game to Troy, totally changes the narrative. Um, but for me, I had seen, like, potentially Michigan being a win and then getting into sort of the meat and the bones of the season, having some things happen where they just could not. Um, I I always said 6-6. Six and six. That's where I was. Now I'm sort of in the position of, like, I could see them winning because I could see them being, like, just this team being so angry and upset that, they've, you know, one, you the to cancel game, and then you drop the next two, and everyone thought you were going to be better at this point. They thought, like – you were at least going to come into this like two and one, three zero. So now you're not. I don't know. I think they have a chance. I don't think it's going to be a blowout from Nebraska. I don't think Nebraska is going to suddenly take like a 31-0 lead and then Michigan can't recover. God, I that think it would be something. It would be. I don't think it's going to happen. I but I could see it being. I could see it being a really close game, and it coming down to a field goal or a touchdown. So, Barrett Pickering better be ready to do some kickering in case it does.
1: Hey, he's he's ready from 50. So, (laughs) he's going to go. He'll take anything he can as long as it's from 50. Oh, Um, man. This game is going to be Nebraska's going to keep it close, and Nebraska's going to have a chance late, or Nebraska's going to get the doors blown off.
2: Yeah, and I sat through that Ohio State game two years ago at Ohio Stadium. And let me tell you, that is not fun to sit in that press, like a press box like that. So, you know, bring your bourbon, but,
1: but I, I will say this, because I, I said this in the off season Nebraska's not gonna lose a game by more than twenty points this season. Woohoo! I still stand by that. That's it... what? Oh goodness. What? How? How what? How do I think that?
2: Yeah. Because this isn't the
1: same team. They're not gonna I mean, one, they're not gonna give up. And I don't think they gave up a ton last year, but I did notice a little bit of slippage against Minnesota and, and Iowa specifically. You're I, I think crazy. they're gonna they're gonna play um hard for whatever it is 60 minutes 40 minutes <laughs> how long are the games 48 minutes good lord i'm stuck on basketball basketball started uh wednesday so now my brain has officially shifted over to basketball Aren't no they? they're they're gonna play hard for the the full 48 minutes
2: they play for no 60 hour. minutes it's yeah fifty 15, 15 minutes. minute quarters I'm 12 here, minutes is, like, the,
1: is basketball God.
2: what are you doing oh we're gonna have to everyone needs to so okay i just want to point something i'm gonna out. cut this out no Because I just want to point something out. You can cut this out. But if if I did that, I would have all these people on the internet being like, Erin doesn't know sports. She's a woman. But because you did, people would be like, oh, that's funny that Derek did that. That's clever. I think that might be
1: the first time I've ever heard you make that voice.
2: Basketball.
1: Definitely not a fan.
2: I'm not either. But that's what the internet (laughs) sounds like.
1: I think Nebraska. Okay, back to my justification for they're not going to get blown out by 20. They've got a good defense this year.
2: Nebraska? Yeah,
1: they got a good defense. As long I said they as were going to be a top 50 defense. he
2: doesn't get ejected for targeting. God, that was a joke.
1: That was a joke. Oh. It was not. A, it was not a good call. And the coaches, like somebody asked us, why was Scott so pissed at the end of the the first half, and why was, he was the officials upset face. about that? Definitely because of the ejection call. That ejection call was a joke. Like, it was, he
2: wasn't like there was also bad calls like all around. Like the, the rest were being pretty rough. Like, and I'm not saying that's why Nebraska lost, but they for sure like had some calls that were questionable from the officials. But that was what was he was upset about is whether there was malicious intent. But we talked about this at halftime when we were going in to get popcorn and cookies and everything to keep us, like, yay for the second we half. people to
1: think that we're healthy.
2: No, we're not at all. Actually, writers are some of, like, one of my favorite memes is of, like, pe- like, normal business people showing people their office being like, look at my clean, cool desk and all my cool, like, whatever. And then writers is a raccoon in a dumpster, like, hoarding its food and being like, don't bother me. That is that is that is our world. Is writers are just like food hoarders, and we're just like in our messy little like spaces, just like don't touch me while I write. Um, it's, it's true, true for though. For yourself, dude. It's true. You've seen the press box when people leave. We're all filthy, whatever. Um, no, we just don't pick up
1: after ourselves. That's <laughs> nobody cleans up after themselves. No,
2: but they're also messy. Um, but anyway. I don't even remember what
1: I was saying. now. Berry should not have got ejected. He shouldn't
2: have got ejected, but...
1: Chanander said, Chinander said <coughs> it perfectly. But
2: that's was it helmet to helmet?
1: Wrong. Yes. Was it malicious? Oh, I was talking about malicious no. intent. It was not. Yeah, I have no I have no idea how you jumped to where we jumped to, but...
2: It's fine. I had a lot of feelings about that.
1: <laughs> Clearly. Chanander said it right. There was It was helmet to helmet, yes, but there was not malicious intent. They oh. need to fix the rule.
2: Yeah, that's what I was saying. We were in line getting food, and you said, no, tell people we're healthy. We're not healthy. It was when we were in line to get food. I said to you, I was like, the problem is the rule. Because yeah. it's it's not a matter of like whether or not we thought it was malicious or whatever. He, they did what it, the rule is written based on. So like what the rule is, they based it on that. And so if we have a problem with what happened, the rule is what needs to be changed.
1: I also have an issue with, because it is very subjective. It, it varies from... Referee unit to referee unit. That's all That's all we'll say at the end of the targeting discussion. We're not going to complain about targeting anymore. Um, I don't think Nebraska is going to get blown out this weekend. Um, you guys heard Cody's prediction, 34-17 or 31-17. I can't Ooh. remember. Um, but Nebraska covers. I think Nebraska will cover as well. The point spread is 18. Um, I don't know if it has changed since it opened. Um, okay. But when it opened, it was 18. I think Nebraska covers that because – They they can't start 0-3. Everyone knows that. You cannot start 0-3 because that would... I mean, for starters, it's the worst start to a season for the program since, like, World War II. You can't (laughs) have that in the first year of Scott Frost. Um,
2: You can't, but you might.
1: They might, but I think the players feel like you can't start that way. And the coaches definitely feel like you can't start that way. And I think there's going to be a little bit of um, residual kind of anger from the team um cam said you know scott can't scott's not on the field he can't make the place for us excuse me gosh my voice is giving out um mo berry said he felt like the team let down frost and okay. and i think players have been seeing the polar extreme on twitter um that is fans complaining about frost Yes. And fans complaining that he's not doing this right or he's not doing that right. I think they've seen that. I think there's going to be some sort of, like, let's win one for Frost. We have to get this done.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I agree. think that could have an effect. Oh, I 100% agree with you. I think that there's a really good possibility that that happens. Just because they have a lot... They have everything to gain and nothing to lose. And when you have Except a team... with three-star. Well, but when you have a team that has, like, nothing to lose... I mean that that's when they become kinda tricky for yeah. any team.
1: And um let's ju- let's just give score predictions. Let's just do that. I don't have
2: a score no, prediction, nor do I want to give one. Why not? I just I don't want to. Why? I don't want to I told you to prepare one. No you didn't. I did. When?
1: I told you before we started recording that you had to prepare one. No, you didn't. Definitely did. I picked Nebraska to win this game in the off season and I said all oh, off season long that this was gonna be Um, Of like the four that they play Like Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio State And Michigan State This was the one that they had the best chance to win Mm -hmm.
2: Um, So what's your score prediction? I want
1: to stick with it Because like Part of it is pride I I want to stick with my picks But at the same time The issues Nebraska has had Turnovers Communication on the offensive line um, Poor special teams play yeah. If you improve one of those, and I think special teams is probably the, the most likely candidate here, you've still got two crucial parts of the game that you're not performing up to standard in, Right. and you're going up against maybe one of the best defenses in football in terms of talent on the field. Michigan hasn't, they, they haven't looked like the best defense in football. But talent on the field, they have the potential to be the best defensive football. Yeah. And I think the biggest issue that I have is the offensive line. And you're going up against two guys in Rashawn Gary and Chase Winovich that are studs. Absolute studs. Yeah. Um, Michigan 34, Nebraska twenty.
2: See, I'm somewhere, like, I was going to say, I would probably – I keep saying, like, here's how I would say this. I want Nebraska to win this game. I think it's possible. My head and my heart have totally different feelings on this. My head leans more toward, like, what Cody said, the 31-17. Or I was kind of sitting somewhere around, like, maybe, like, 34-21. Or even maybe, like, 27-14. I don't know. Like, we all have
1: Nebraska covering.
2: Yeah. And And I think it
1: will be closer than any of those scores would indicate. But I, I think do. Michigan can pull away towards towards the end of it.
2: Yeah, I could see that happening, especially so, if
1: Adrian Martinez does not play.
2: And that's the hard part is we we don't know the st- his status, so that makes things a little bit more complicated. Um, but yeah, I um, you know my my heart side of it, like the enjoying sports and being around sports and loving like kind of like the randomness of sports tells me like. Crazier things have happened on if you know a college football Saturday than Nebraska beating Michigan mm-hmm. um, but my head and having been around this team just doesn't give me a whole lot to like I still feel like I have to pick Michigan in this sense because that's what my journalism side says but if I was like a fan watching this game I would have reason to feel
1: cr- you would still have optimism I
2: would ha- I would feel optimistic if I was a fan my job is not to be a fan my job is to like look at the team and think what could realistically be the outcome. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. I think there's two ways to look at it. So you can let us be the Debbie Downers and you can go have the optimism. I,
1: I don't think we're being I mean the we're the, being the haters. safe way to look at it <clears throat> is Michigan wins the game but we both are in agreement that Nebraska has a chance. Like if yeah. Nebraska won this game, it wouldn't surprise me. No. And I don't think it would surprise you either.
2: No. It wouldn't.
1: But if I'm putting my own money down I'm going to put it on mission. but I will put it on Nebraska to cover Nebraska will cover I will guarantee you that
2: mm-hmm.
1: which means they're not going to now that I guarantee you how dare you we will be in Ann Arbor this weekend we will have coverage all throughout the weekend um, Jacob Padilla will be back here he's got volleyball um, read us and bookmark Hale Varsity I think that's what we tell you on every single podcast so if you haven't done it by now um, Jacob will find you and he will throw basketballs at you he, he he knocked down, like, I didn't count, but it was something like 10 or 11 straight mid-range jumpers. Jacob? We were, Jacob did. Jacob's when we really at, legit. When we were at the basketball photo shoot on Wednesday. Um, and Kevin suits made the comment, like, dang, man, I'm just going to interview you. Like, you're showing everybody else. And then he gave the ball back to me to try to shoot it. And I was like, I'm not shooting you after that. No, mm-hmm. no way in hell. Um, so Jacob will throw basketballs at you if you do not. Bookmark Hale Varsity and... Uh, that whole anecdote was to tell you that he will not miss. So, bookmark Hale Varsity. Read us throughout the weekend. We'll be back with another podcast on Friday. Maybe Erin will be back. Maybe she won't. She's never in town on Friday, so probably not. Thanks, guys. You know, I could come.
2: I'll come to Lincoln if I know I'm doing the podcast.
1: You don't want to say bye?
2: (laughs) I will come to Lincoln if you ask me to do the podcast. See you in Michigan, everyone.
0: (laughs) The eye roll, (laughs) the eye roll that was just given.